Hey everyone, welcome to the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is John. I'm Kristen. I'm Eric. I'm Leslie. And we're here. We are here. (laughs) (laughs) All four of us. Oh, hey guys and gals. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. What do you call a ship that never sinks? Oh, this is a stumper. It is a stumper, uh-huh. I know. Is this a dad joke? Definitely dad joke for sure. Feels like uh-huh. it. I don't know. I know you the answer, me. but the I'm answer? trying to hold it back. Oh. Uh-huh. What is a ship that never sinks? A friendship. Oh, we should have known that was coming. Oh, oh, that's right. One. Today we, we are tackling the topic of godly friendships. What do this what does it look like? How do we develop godly friendships? What are some of the biggest challenges that we face in our friendships and how do I know if I'm being a godly friend? And I guess we should start off this whole conversation right here by asking this question. Is this really something that's worth discussing? Uh, most importantly, what does God's word tell us? I mean, really, honestly, isn't this kind of junior high-ish for us to just be, I mean, do we struggle in our friendships? Is that a thing? Eric, what is it you always say? Uh, you know, I always say that you can leave junior high, but junior high doesn't leave you. That's exactly mm. right. That's deep. Thanks. So, yeah. Deep and true. Yeah, I, I think friendship is a much needed topic in today's culture, hmm. uh, especially for our, our generation where, where you see social media and um, what we redefine as friendship online, yeah. which is not necessarily friendship that we're talking about biblically doing life community fellowship together. That looks very different. Um, so I think it's a very needed topic in today's society. and And the truth is, we are connected more and more through cell phones, social media, and different uh, avenues. People are connected, yet more and more people are lonelier hmm. uh, in society. This is something that you know neuropsychologists will talk about, um, not just from a Christian aspect, but in the world. And you know, one of the biggest things of depression is loneliness. So I think it's a huge topic that um, it's a, to talk about it as, as a church family. And what does that really mean, church family and uh, yeah. godly friendships? Well, and I just wonder, like, if you could map out my thought life for a day, which might be a little frightening, but like, I guarantee you that a lot of my thought life would be consumed by what my friendships are like, what my interactions are like, whether someone interpreted something in a loving way, in a not loving way, if I felt loved, Hmm. all of those things do take up space in my thought life. So obviously it matters to me. And I assume I'm not the only one who not the only operates one. that way. No, nope. yeah. not at all. Is everyone mad at me today? I haven't. No one's returning my text. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Really, they're just busy with their day. But who knows it's what's going on? Been thirty seconds since I sent that <laughs> meme, and nobody said ha ha. Yeah, yeah, we get it. No one likes my, my posts. I have right. less likes. Right mm-hmm. there. I mean, we see a lot of this through um, the world of social media and things. But but really, what is a godly friendship? Why it is important? Why does the Bible say that we need to live in community? Um, I think those are really important things to hit. Yeah. De- yeah. Defining what a godly friendship is. I think that that's so important because like you said, with social media, you have, you know, I mean, in our day, it was what? MySpace. Right. Yeah. Tom was our first friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we had with, with the advent of social media, you know, we've got all of these platforms where we can just gather friends like crazy. And, you know, what's, what's been interesting through that is I've noticed there are friends who, you know, I, they were, I, I've had deep friendships through my childhood and, and teenage years. But now when we get together as adults, like 20 years later, in my case, you know, it, it, it seems like the only thing we have in common anymore is just our past. Yeah. And yet I still call them friends. And I, 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 on the surface, think that I have a close friendship with these people. But in reality, we don't interact. You know, half of them, you know, they've gone a completely different trajectory in life in their walk with Jesus Christ. And so to call them friends is kind of an odd thing anymore. And so it, it can it can get really confusing. And it was like I was sharing with you guys before. I was, you know, my, my wife and I were just sitting down with our seven-year-old daughter. And, you know, walking her through some friendship drama mm-hmm. at school. And it is serious well, business. Is and a real deal. so hard sometimes. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it honestly makes me, as I'm preparing for this to sit down with you guys, it makes me kind of sit back and say, man, and, am I, I would like to think that I'm an adult about these things. I would, I, would, I would like to think that I've got my friendships all together. But thinking through that question, what is a godly friendship? And am I a godly friend? Mm-hmm. According to God's standard, 
I don't know that that's something that I've really explored a whole lot. And so I think it is important for us to sit down together now and, and to really discuss these things because it does matter very much to God. Um, the scriptures tell us, uh, you know, the scriptures talk about friendship a lot. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, the Bible says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either, if either one of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Mm-hmm. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I love this, Psalm 133, verse 1, one of my favorites. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And of course, Jesus' command before he went to the cross, as he's sitting with his disciples in John 15, Jesus' final, part of his final commands to his disciples was, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's just a snippet of what the Bible has to say about friendships. But this is important to God that we understand this. And so maybe let's just, let's just start off with that. What is a godly friendship? Yeah, I would say um, a godly friendship is, is one that does, does, does more than just do life together, but is open and honest. Um, and to be honest, you have to be vulnerable, uh, which is very hard mm. in general. But for, uh, for guys, I think it's even more difficult. Um, and in a society now where it's not about honesty, it's about image. Right. Um, it's, it, it's really hard to see what is openness, what is honesty, what is vulnerability look like. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, sometimes when, when we talk about that and we hear a lot about that at church and that's good, but I mean, I mean, there's 700 people roughly that come to church on a Sunday here at LBC. I mean, how do I, am I supposed to be vulnerable and open with every single one of those people and best friends with everyone? No. Yes. John, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because the introvert in me is dying at that thought. Well, and I feel like, too, we almost need to release each other from the obligation of that. Yeah. Like, nobody expects you to be deep, close friends with everybody at church. I mean, you can be friendly, and that's obviously a great thing, but nobody expects that type of deep, close one-on-one relationship with 700 people. I mean, that's just totally unrealistic. Nor was that even the pattern... Of the life of Jesus on earth. So just freeing ourselves from that too. He had layers of layers, right? So I have this study in front of me from psychologist Robin Dunbar. It's a very influential study and it is a big circle with lots of little circles inside and it kind of shows the numbers of friends that typically people have. So if you start with, I thought this was a big number at first and when I thought about it more I thought oh it's probably right so known faces <laughs> is 5,000 people wow like if you saw That's somebody's face you could name five like know their so you're face saying 5, the human people. brain can basically memorize yes. about 5,000 faces so and then well, that makes names sense. think of all the celebrities you know that's true <laughs> Right. And all the true. people from your first grade class. Don't right. forget yeah. them. Uh, yeah. That's true. Oh, that's okay, see, the true. more you yeah. think of it, you're right. like, oh, yeah, I could. I know 5,000 faces. Okay, next one is no names, which was 1,500. Okay. Don't quiz me on that. That sounds I like might, a lot I might know 1,500. Anyways, it goes on and in. The interesting ones are you get to intimate friendships. I'm sorry, close friendships, and that's five. Five people. Five people is close friends. Aww. And this is on average. This is this on is average. This is a big study. Mm-hmm. Okay. And intimate is one and a half. I, I don't know where the half comes from, but <laughs> I think prob- it's talking about your spouse okay. or closest. Maybe on your dog or something. Or wow. Taylor, like be a your child. Half. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, half. You know, I'm looking at it right now, and the listener, you can go and just Google it. Just Google Dunbar's numbers, and it'll pop right up there. Uh, it, it's a, it's a really, it is a really fascinating graph because it does it begin is. with that center bullseye point, is basically one probably one to two or one and a half people, which is basically probably your spouse, your significant other, that that is the most intimate relationship. Or a parent, maybe, might fit or, in that c- spot. Yeah, it could be anybody mm-hmm. in that spot, really. Um, somebody who knows, I'm assuming, every detail about you. And that's really is just limited to one to two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you step out of that, you have your, your, your close circle of friends, which is really only about five. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you found, Kristen, you found something out about that group of five. What was it? Yeah, we were, well, it was somewhere between the five and the 15, which is the next layer. I thought this was so interesting. Well, first of all, the five 
are your shoulder to cry on people. Mm. That when when life really bottoms out, those are likely the five people that you're going to come to. And then somewhere in that five to even the next layer, which is 15, um, are the people that you're likely to rely on for childcare, <laughs> which I thought was so interesting. It is a vulnerable thing to ask somebody to watch your kids. They may or may not behave. Your friend might say no, and you have to trust they're still going to love mm. you, even if you say, I need this. Sure. There's a lot of vulnerability that comes with that. So I thought that was such an interesting fact. Interesting. Thanks for babysitting my kids this afternoon, yeah. Leslie. I, I appreciate you. it. I got you. Uh-huh. She's in my five. <laughs> so really, it looks like your closest circle of friends, you know, from your spouse all the way out to the people that you would trust your children with is really only 15 to 20 people-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really not a lot. When you think of it like that, not compared to the, you not know, the names of 1500 people, you know, <laughs> it does kind yeah. of bring it back to that thought of safety and the fact that we don't have to mm-hmm. extend our arms in total, complete, open friendship to everyone all the time, because those are the people you're going to feel safest around safe enough to entrust your children, safe enough to cry. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about godly friendships and, and living biblically, in a godly friendship and obeying the commands of scripture to, to forgive one another and to bear one another's burdens and to, uh, you know, to, to encourage one another daily in the Lord, all of these commands that scripture gives to us, it's not talking about doing that with 500 people. It's talking about primarily doing that with your people that you're doing life with those people that are your core group. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I don't think you can, do life with 1500 people, right? No. I mean, if you do it, you're doing very surfacely or you're doing an image of, of what re- is not a, a reality, right? To do life in community, um, it is going to be smaller mm-hmm. um, because you, you can't have deep relationships with a lot of people because it takes too much time, yeah. right? Um, like, but it doesn't mean that you can't be friendly with everyone. Um, I think it's important to look at like who you're choosing to be in th- that five. Yeah. Um, and, and what influence do you have and what influence do they have on you? Um, goes back to scripture, right? Proverbs twelve twenty six: the righteous chooses their friends carefully, mm-hmm. but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Yeah, so good. who you pick and who you do life with is important. Yeah. Well, and I think it's God's desire that we would be sanctified and become like Christ throughout our lives. And I know in my job, we talk a lot, I work with youth, and we talk about how the five people that you surround yourself with are the five most influential people in developing your character. And that I believe that with all my heart about me. I know that when I surround myself with people who want to push on toward holiness, I'm way more likely to do it myself. And if I surround myself with people making excuses, then I'm going to jump on that bus really easily. Mm. So... Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and on that topic, I mean, the Bible is not quiet about that. In First First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, do not be misled. In other words, don't be fooled, you guys. Quit fooling mm-hmm. yourselves. Bad company corrupts good character, and that really ties in well with what Proverbs thirteen. A lot of Proverbs on friendship, by the way. <laughs> if you want to do a deeper study, dive into the Proverbs. Proverbs thirteen verse twenty: Walk with the wise and become wise. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Walk with the wise and become wise for a company of fools suffers harm. So then how do we create godly friendships? Like, what does that look like in today's world? Like, how would we go about being able to be vulnerable and honest and to go that deeper layer? I think a good start, especially, and this, maybe I'll speak on behalf of the guys here, you guys who are listening. Uh, I think a good start is by acknowledging, especially for those of us men who are out there, acknowledging the fact that you need godly friendships. Yeah. That's probably a good place to start because there's something about, you know, manhood or masculinity where we get this subversive idea, which is totally unbiblical, that to be vulnerable is to be weak or to allow, you know, any sort of emotion to show is weakness. And that's completely contrary to everything you see in scripture, including the most manly men in scripture. Yeah. They're usually complete, emotional, passionate, <laughs> you know, right. dudes. 
Um, you know, but men and women, for all of us, I think that we have to, to first of all begin by convincing ourselves that we need godly friendships. We can't do it by ourselves. We're not designed to walk life by ourselves. Um, loneliness is a very real thing. And all of us have experienced it to some level or another, but it is a bit of a pandemic right now in our society. And just to bring up kind of a medical aspect here, one of the studies we looked at said um, close relationships with other people have more of an impact on our physical health and longevity than even our genes do. A satisfying relationship life can extend longevity by up to 22%, and then loneliness is a risk factor comparable to smoking, obesity, and high blood pressure. And then in men, loneliness is correlated with cardiovascular disease and stroke. So it's literally unhealthy. Killing you. To be lonely. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I have a question that does not apply to me, but I feel like there would be people listening today who might say to us, but guys, I'm I'm kind of an on-my-own person. Mm. I I don't know if I need friends. That's not how I do life. What would be your response to somebody like that? I feel you. (laughs) Take it away, John. I I mean, you might not need a lot of friends, Hmm. but you need someone. That's a good point. Um, You know, Scripture is very clear. It's never done alone. It's always in community. We were created. I mean, go back to the garden. Like, Adam was alone. It wasn't good. Yeah, you know, and Eve was there and, and a partner. So even even then, so I don't think I don't think we can do it necessarily alone. But that doesn't mean you have to have the five. Maybe it's a two, you know, um, or maybe it's seven. Like it, it depends on on how you know extroverts and introverts are real. But we all need community and accountability. You cannot have accountability alone, um, and, and we're and we're commanded in, in Scripture too hold each other accountable. Um, speaking as a guy from, from that realm, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I'm a part of a men's group and, um, how quickly we became vulnerable and open, um, was, was pretty amazing to, for me because I have never had that in my 40 years, like a couple of years ago it started. Um, but really just having that ability to do life to get together and, and, you know, talk, guy stuff I think was important for us too. Um, and I've enjoyed being a part of that group, but I didn't want to be a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I had every excuse, you know, I'm busy. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I kind of felt like I was getting arm twisted and then, you know, you're like, well, actually, no, I'm, I needed it more than I realized Um, because I thought I was good. And I, um, but for me it was, it's, it's been a great thing. There was some other research that we had too. It's funny. You mentioned, you know, Adam was alone and he was sad. And then there was a woman. And here we are because (laughs) this says that women tend to handle all the social relationships for the couple and the children. True. And this may fall to women because they are aware that their male partners do not have substantial relationships outside of the family as they do. Women may pull their partners into socializing with other couples so that the women can have more time socializing with each other. <laughs> Which now we've just revealed our big plan here, so I'm kind of sorry I, you know, gave that up to everybody. But uh, That is so true, though. At least in the Harold household, that's been the case. That's for sure. I mean, most of, I, I think well, most of my close friend relationships have come in one way or another through my wife. Well, and what's interesting about that, too, is I wonder the degree to which we're going to call this a traditional or even what was true in prior generations. It's not always the case now. Mm-hmm. But if there's a man who goes to work all day, that can be a depleting experience mm-hmm. sometimes. And say a woman who is a mom is at home raising kids all day, I'll just say by all means you are ready to be with your friends. <laughs> so I wonder the degree to which stage of life plays into that. Still depleting for the mom. Still, I was yes, just saying, also, say also very, very depleting. depleting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We say that with the utmost love for our children, of course. Of course. I agree with you. And I feel like, too, when you do have, talking about moms, when you're a mom of little kids, a new mom, toddlers, 
you have to have that relationship. And you can also, it's really easy too, in a way to make other mom friends. Like we have moms of littles throughout church. Like it's easy to be in a group with people who are like, oh, your two-year-old's, you know, unwinding the toilet paper roll, like, and driving you nuts and getting out all the Tupperware. Like, same, you know, like, let's bond over that. Because, like, you get each other and what you're going to. And to say that, too, for men, that's a little bit more, not difficult, but kind of where it's, like, you don't have that same, you men think. Do you feel like that's? Well, I think at the end, I'm not a man, but I have a thought, so I'm going to go with that. At the end of the day, I think we all really, really have the desire to know that we're not alone. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And to validate in friendship, yes, I am also experiencing that same hard thing that you are. Mm -hmm. I think think deep down everyone wants connection and they want belonging and they want acceptance. Um, I mean, it goes back to to when we were kids, even pre-junior high, right? Um, But, and I mean, that's the one big thing for social media. Why why I was created for that connection, for Mm -hmm. that, that sharing um, but then it kind of rabbit holed into, into something very different. Um, and I think, I think part of the thing about connection is we want real connection. So, so to have real connection, whether we know it or not, either subconsciously, like we want to feel like we belong and to do that, you have to have openness. Mm-hmm. You have to have vulnerability. You have to have honesty, um, which can be hard so that's why you kind of start off in those surface level like you know like you were saying like moms are who are dealing with similar things but how do you take it from that stage of like oh yeah toilet paper roll and all those daily things to like (laughs) we want to go deeper in our friendship we want to share our true burdens our true struggles you know um how do you do that how do you go that deeper level if you think you know because that's the vulnerability part I, I, I feel a lot of people struggle with. Whether you're an extrovert or introvert, I think the surface level, uh, whether it's draining or non-draining, I think people can do. But it's how do you take it to that, I want community, I want to do life as a Christian, as, as yeah. we're, we're called. How does that happen? What do, we, what do we do? I feel like perseverance is the word that's coming to mind for me. Like for me and my friendship style, you probably have to know me five years before you... You know, I'm a hard nut to crack. I'll admit it. And I know it, but that's just who I am. I mean, not that, you know, and so it's like to actually get to my five. You got to wear you down. You might be here a decade. I mean, it's a long journey. (laughs) Like it's a long time to get up in there. So I feel like you have to, it's perseverance. It's quality time. It's being intentional and investing in people who, you know, you've decided like, Hey, like. You know, you have to decide, let's be friends. And then, you know, and then go from there. But it's not an overnight. So you have to put in work. You do. You have to put in work. And it's not. And I feel like some people might be discouraged, too. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like it's not an overnight situation. And there's, depending on your friendship style, some people are like, oh, let's be friends. And then they're like, here's all of my things, which is great. But for people who are like, oh. Oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> it's going to take me a long time. You know, it's just like how everyone's friendship styles are so different. So you just can't, your expectations have to, you kind of have to put those aside and realize like not everyone operates on the same mm-hmm. friendship level, but don't give up. And really, honestly, I mean, everything you're saying, if you, if you think about right now, like who are the closest people in your life right now, the person that you could go to, you could say absolutely anything to them. And, and I hope if for the, everyone who's listening, I hope you have that person. And I think that's really the, the deepest part that we're trying to get to is that's the relationship that needs to develop. We all need that one person that we can go to who will never cast us away, where we can say anything to them and they won't shrug their shoulders and walk away. You know, they, they know us completely. And love us, you know, with the love of Christ. Um, that's, you know, I think the deepest form of friendship right there. You can, you can be, they can see all of you and they still receive you and lead you to Christ. <laughs> it doesn't mean they keep you if you're in sin. But um, those are typically the relationships that have taken years to grow. And you've probably also walked through a lot of, of adversity. Mm-hmm. A lot of life. And, they, and a lot of life, you've probably hurt each other mm-hmm. and come back and forgiven one another. You've probably walked through all of these really difficult stages together and you've still, you know, shown the test of time. I mean, we see this on the deepest level in mar- in our in our marriages, really. You know, when we've walked through fire, I mean, I can honestly say I love Kristen infinitely more than I did the day I married her. 
because when I married her, that was just a promise that I was going to, you know. Right. Um, But we just celebrated 20 years and like we've walked through stuff. And when I look across the table and see her, she's still here. And she looks at me and I'm, I'm still here. We didn't run away from each other. We fought to stay together. And we can honestly look each other in the face and say, I love you. And, and we believe it because we're still here. <laughs> we're, still, we're still in it. And I mean, those types of friends that you have in your life, it is the adversity and it's time of, of, of walking through, proving your love for one another as friends um, that really develops that. And that's not something, so keeping your expectations in check, that's not something that just pops up overnight. Um, that's something that takes time and effort and intentionality to develop. Um, and that might sound kind of discouraging if you're listening and saying, you know, well, I don't, I don't even have that person in my life. So, you know, now I got, now you're telling me I got to wait a decade and grow one, you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean we're not supposed to start, you know, being that godly friend. That doesn't mean that we're not supposed to be out there seeking that out. And, you know, whether that means, yeah, joining a men's group, joining a women's Bible study, if you're a mom of little ones and you are going nuts, hey, Misery loves You're not alone. Yeah, Somebody so, else is going nuts. Uh, small groups. Yeah. Many, many yeah. other people are groups. also going yeah. nuts. Small One thing groups, that... life groups. You've got recovery groups. I mean, these are great places to connect with people, uh, but you've got to put the effort in to get out there. One thing that really came to my mind is the idea of follow through, mm-hmm. that I think that we have a lot of great little friendships over time. I know that one of the things we researched talked about big friendships mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. that it might be easier to call something a big friendship than a best friendship because best friends carries a weight of expectation that can be a little tricky sometimes. But I was thinking about one of my big friendships, someone who has loved me really well for a long time. And I shared something with her yesterday about one of my kids that feels like a little bit of a fear and an insecurity for me. Mm. And I didn't expect this. And this morning... She texted me to say, how was this morning? How did it go? It was a direct follow-up. And I can't tell you how loved I felt by the surprise of her following through on caring about my kid. And that that affirmed in me that she wants to be in my life and I want to be in her life. And we care about the little things and the big things. So that's, I that's just really think that cool. follow through makes a huge difference. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that just stuck to me. The, un, the reliability is so huge Yeah. when it comes to friendships. I also think that courage is a huge deal when it comes to friendship. Um, I think that God naturally wires us to be drawn to some people. And we get to be the ones to notice that and to say, hey, I know we don't know each other very well, but would you ever want to go out to lunch? Yeah, That's usually the beginning of a great friendship. That's true. Or I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you shared around the table. Can we talk about it sometime? That's just the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. And we never really know where God might take those friendships. How fun, you know. I'm the Leslie and Kenan and Joe and I have been in life group together for almost a decade now, which is kind of crazy. So Kristen and gets, it's 10 years. So Kristen woo. now is, <laughs> I'm in the top 500 at this she point. She did her time. Yes. She did her decade woo. of trying to be friends with me. <laughs> but we've learned a lot about each other's lives. Yeah. Take it or leave it, like it or not. We've learned Absolutely. a lot about each other's lives over time and over and that's spending intentional time together. Commitment, right? right. Well, I mean, Romans 12.10, be devoted, right, to love or be devoted to, to one, one another in love, right? Yeah. I would that's, also say in the capacity of being in a life group, this will be my life group, shout out for people who aren't in a life group, being in the safety of a life group, I think mm-hmm. I would say you are able to go deeper with people probably on a faster level because it's a safe space. Right to share and it's the same, you know, like the same group of people week after week who you don't have to say your story over again. You know, like you don't have to repeat, like catch everybody up. Like they already know where you are and it's, you can just be like, okay, this is where we are this week, you know? So it's like a week to week. They're really walking with you. 
It's not people who are in and out of your life or you have to do a whole catch-up situation. It's like you can just, if you want to, bear your soul because these people already know the stages of your life and mm-hmm. what's been happening on a daily and weekly basis. It's good. So it's able to establish closeness because you're constantly in community. It's good. Yeah, and, you know, to take it a different direction here, you know, part of developing, coming back to, you know, how do we develop godly friendships? It feels a little counterintuitive to say this, but I think setting up boundaries um, is, is you know, a, a big step in developing godly friendships in your life, to set up boundaries. And what I mean by that is literally, that means sometimes you might need to cut some people out, not spend so much time or give so much of yourself to other people. And in order to do that, um, you got to kind of know, you know, what constitutes a godly friendship and what might be a toxic friendship, something that really isn't leading you towards Christ, or, you know, maybe it's a friendship that's just constantly in turmoil. Yeah. It's just creating chaos, uh, in your life. And, you know, the scriptures aren't silent on this. I think that, you know, it gives us a good roadmap of what do godly friends look like. And we are commanded in Romans twelve ten to be devoted to one another in love, to honor one another above yourselves. First uh, Peter 4 tells us, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I mean, these are characteristics of a true loving believer in Jesus Christ, someone who cares for you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. If you've received a lot of gifts from God, use it to serve people, the people that are, that, that are in your life. Be faithful stewards of God's grace. First uh, Thessalonians 5 says that we are to encourage one another. This is to be a regular practice among us. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And then, of course, Colossians 3.13, this is so beautiful. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And I love that because it implies the fact that we are going to be hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we do. We're sinners. We we let each other down. This That's is just family. the reality. That's mm-hmm. family. <laughs> And so we are to bear with one another. I mean, a good characteristic of a godly friend is somebody who forgives. They can, they can see it all. They can hear it all. And they forgive when you, when you are genuinely seeking forgiveness. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But that goes back to you have to be vulnerable because yeah. we, we are so image-based in our society of we want the perfect, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and, right. you know, we expect to come to church and, you know, people aren't going to hurt us, but they, they are going to, it's, it's a church is full of sinners, just sinners, yeah. you know, doing life together. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean we're perfect and we won't ever be perfect this side of heaven. So it's really, you know, important to have that perspective that you're gonna, if you, if you really want deep friendships, if you want to do life with people, they're going to hurt you and you're probably going to hurt them. Um, and have that expectation. Yeah. And so, I mean, really, really to, to sum up all of these things that we just read, and this is just a snippet of what scripture says, you know, it's, you know, the godly, a godly friendship looks like a friendship that's rooted in honesty, vulnerability, it's rooted in courage, it's rooted in devotion and love, encouragement and building up, bearing and forgiving one another. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. These are the characteristics that are in there. You know, and if, if there are people in your life who are, who are exhibiting these, I would say that's the relationships to pursue. To, you know, like you said, to, to open yourself up to those people. Put in the effort over time and watch what God does in that relationship. Because ultimately the goal of a godly friendship, uh, it's not so that we can look around and see how many friends we have. The goal of a godly friendship is that we would help one another become more like Christ. And a godly friend will always, always, always seek to help you become more like Christ. I concur. (laughs) On the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, Scripture also gives us, you know, some warnings when we talk. I mean, it literally commands us to put up boundaries in in our life. In Proverbs 16, a perverse person stirs up conflict. Gossip separates close friends. And how many times in the Proverbs does the Proverbs talk about gossip and God hates it? He hates it. And so if there's people in your life who you would say, I think they're a good friend, but this is what they're always bringing into your life is gossip, strife, stirring up conflict everywhere they go, that might be someone to avoid. Not might. Scripture says it is somebody to avoid. This is perverse is what it says. Uh, I feel like it goes back to like we're talking about the elementary school, you know, 
kid issues sometimes. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes what I tell my daughters is, you know, it's okay. You don't have to be friends with everybody. That's good. You know, like, that's fine. Like, you can be kind to them, but right. you don't have to be friends with everybody. And right. I feel like for whatever reasons as adults, sometimes we might forget that, you know, that lesson. Like, that's okay. Like, you don't have, you don't have to, like, continue on in a relationship that, you know, isn't healthy for you. Like, that's that's fine. Yeah. Well, and God himself is a good provider for all of his children, which means that he's going to provide relationships for all of his children, and we don't have to necessarily be so worried to have to be that friend to every single person all yeah. the time. He'll take care of his kids. That's good. Also, Proverbs 22, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Right, row. I hope my husband's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> and look at, and look at say, this. I'm out then, everybody. Because uh, that, that, <laughs> we, we end it here. All right. <laughs> if, that, if that wasn't blunt enough, it continues, do not even associate with an easily angered person. In other words, don't even be around those types of people. Or, it tells us, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. And this goes back to what we were talking about before, right? Bad company corrupts good character. So angry people create more angry people. Angry people create angry people. Tell me where we've seen that in life. It's like all of society right now, right? No kidding. (laughs) Angry people create angry people. I mean, this is... Um, the common things. And so really what all that I'm saying here is, is, you know, to, to develop godly friendships, we really need to sit back and evaluate the relationships that we have in our life. And we need to understand that, you know, it, it is important and very biblical even to put up those boundaries and to recognize that there are relationships that are worth pursuing and there are relationships that probably are not worth pursuing. Well, and I think about the difference of ultimately, I believe so many things in life come down to a repentant and humble spirit mm-hmm. and that a good friend may be an angry friend who is repentant and humble and willing to confess. That's good. Maybe someone to steer clear of is somebody who is angry and unwilling to turn from that. Unrepentant. Because I can yeah. tell you that I, believe it or not, yell at my own children from time to <gasps> no, time. No, you don't. I know. It's shocking. But in love. Another in, love. in love. Yeah. That'll be the next podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How to help Kristen. (laughs) But I want to be a person who's quick to call my circle of five and say, hey, I don't want to do that again. And I talk to Jesus about it and I want to be different. Mm -hmm. I want to be different. That's really, really good. Thank you. Um, And maybe maybe the last point that I want to hit right here um, on developing and really more identifying what are those good godly relationships in your life is, you know, at, at church, <laughs> I think that the, the fear of opening ourselves up means that, uh, well, how do, I, how do I say this delicately? What I've noticed in my life personally is that uh, as I've made myself vulnerable and allowed people in, oftentimes that leads to confrontation. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking about confrontation, I'm not talking about somebody coming up and just being combative for the sake of being combative. I'm talking about people who are close enough to me where they can see what's maybe off in me Mm. and then confront me on that. And oftentimes when I, you know, when I'm kind of subconsciously not allowing people in, sometimes that's actually what I'm scared of is that people are going to call out the sin that is in my heart and that, and that is in my life. And, you know, the scriptures tell us very clearly, (laughs) Proverbs 27, again, Proverbs, it's all over the place. Proverbs 27, five and six, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture, better is rebuke than hidden love Amen. wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses mm. wounds from a friend can be trusted an enemy multiplies kisses and it is true the closest friends that i've ever had in my life are the ones who have been willing to sit me down and say john i'm seeing this in your life tell me about it and it hurts I'm not going to lie. There's nothing fun about that. But that's what leads to life. And that's a brother who sees all of me and wants me to become more like Christ. And so he has the courage, like we talked about before, to step up and say something because he loves me. There's the, the pity, I mean, the thing that is so sad about all of that is that more often than not, people are not willing to get involved in church because their sin will get called out. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you that is exactly the purpose of friendship, 
according to God. But it was done in a loving way, when, sitting you when down. it's done in a truthful, not, loving way. You're not blasting it on social media, right? The, <laughs> right. Those, those are the things that we live now in a world of, of fear yeah. that it's going to be, you know, shared with everyone. And, you know, that's part of that being vulnerable, part of being mm-hmm. courageous, and, and it's part of being honest is that you have those relationships where you can. But once again, it takes time. Yes. And that's okay. It's okay to take time to build those relationships, to have that that time. A favorite pastor of mine says that his goal would be that he would have not just a sanctuary church, but a basement church. What happens in the basement of many churches are safe recovery groups, mm-hmm. a safe place where people can say, this is who I truly am. This is what I truly struggle with. And I'm safe to come here and be embraced in the things that are, that are the hardest mm-hmm. in my life. And I have just clung to that idea that I want to be a person, I want to be a recovery Christian because I am, because mm-hmm. I am a sinner saved by grace and mm-hmm. will forever be recovering from that. And I want to be that for other people, but I don't want to just get cleaned up. That's good like I would to walk into a sanctuary, I want to be ready to be in the basement. That's actually a perfect segue into a point that we'd be remiss if we if we for, forgot about this. It's it's one thing to pursue godly friendships. It's one thing to 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 go out there and to put yourself out there. And that is and that is what we're saying. We're saying you know if this is something that you're scared of doing, get brave. <laughs> you know, um, the church is a safe, at least at LBC, um, there are people here. Start with the staff if you don't know where to go to. There are people here who are willing to see all of you and still receive you. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's that, just the way that I believe God intended. Search for those things. Go for those things. Identify those relationships. Put up boundaries where you need to put up boundaries in your relationships in life and pour into those friends who are seeking for you to grow in Christ. All of those are good, so pursue those godly relationships. But we would be remiss if we didn't point out the fact that equally important, maybe more so, is asking the question, am I being that godly friend? And what steps can I take towards becoming a godly friend that is honoring to Christ and biblical? I know for me it's really looked like knowing how much I'm saved from personally. Mm, that yeah. Never for a moment would I forget that my sin is every bit as severe as anybody else's. Hmm. And in case you can't tell from that, pride is something that God is always working in my heart in. But that I would always be able, and I'm not perfect in this, but that I would always be able to hear somebody's wounds, see somebody's wounds, and not flinch at them. That's good. Well, I think just as equal as that is talking about your own wounds. Absolutely. Right? Showing vulnerability um, and in that honesty, I think, is part of the key to how you can help others, right? Mm-hmm. It's just sharing um, what you've gone through um, because that does. It also shows that you're, you aren't scared of it and you've gone through things, I think, is, is, a, is a big part of, of having an open and honest friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with guys, it's very hard because everything that the world tells us is the opposite of, of how we should act, but that's not biblical. That's not how Jesus acted. That's not how the apostles acted, um, in love, all those things that the world says doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And there's a lot of great ways, like you were saying at, at LBC to get connected and to find true godly friendships that you can cultivate and be a part of community. And I feel like when you are brave enough to do that, you might be surprised the things that people have been through, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't know that you're holding on to things yourself being like, I'm too scared to open up. I don't want this. You know, I don't want to share this. But I think you would be surprised the things that people have been through and they will be able to relate to you if you give it a chance. That's good. I think, you know, practicing these these. And like you guys are saying, practicing these attributes of courage and honesty and vulnerability, perseverance, um, you know, th- these are these are the things that are to be taking place in our lives privately, even with in our relationship with Christ. Um, you know, that that's the purpose of prayer and repentance and confession and all of those things. And um, Kristen, like you were saying, it, it, it's, it, it should lead us towards that constant remembrance of the fact that you know, whoever I'm sitting across from, whoever's coming to me or 
or that I'm, or that I'm talking with, you know, whatever they've been through or whatever they're going through, if it's, even if it's something I've never experienced in my life, it's still true. But for the grace of God, there go I, you know, it's, um, recognizing our own vulnerabilities and our own need for Christ keeps us humble enough to be able to be a friend to anyone really. Well, and knowing that different friends play different roles that you might might be the one to receive a confession and you might walk in that for a season with somebody and it doesn't mean that you have to be their best friend for the rest of their lives. But God placed you there for that moment in time. It's a great point. Okay, so as as we wrap this up here, maybe just a couple of key takeaways. Uh, You know, so far with with, with everything that we've talked about, it sounds like number one, uh, we all need to be seeking godly friendships. And that does first come by acknowledging the fact that you, me, we all need godly friendships. God gave the church to us as a grace, as a gift for each and every one of us, because we can't do it alone. We're not designed to do anything alone. Really, nothing good happens in isolation. Um, And all of us deep down understand this. And so if you are one of those people who's out there and you're listening and it scares you to death, even maybe to come to church on a Sunday morning because you're that introverted, you know what? You don't have to be deep friends with every single person here at LBC, but you do need at least one or two good godly friends in your life. And and you've got to get out there, seek out those relationships. And for those of you who are maybe more extroverted and you have, oh gosh, tons of friends. and 75, is that? 75? Get... Oh man. No. Um, it's <laughs> you've just got all those friends and you want even more, you know, now is probably a good time to maybe hit the pause button and evaluate, you know what, but do, how many of these are really good, godly, biblical friendships? How many of these people are pointing me towards Christ? How many of these people are, are not just sitting around patting me on the back and making me feel good about myself, but how many of these are people who actually challenge me sometimes in my walk with Jesus Christ? If you don't have anybody out of your group of 75 <laughs> that it's, it's are doing that. according to our little diagram oh, there you here. Go. Yeah. 50, you know, friends, being humble. If you, can't, <laughs> yes. if you can't even point to one of them, um, I would say the same thing to you. You need to start seeking godly friendships. Absolutely. Who 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 you're praying with? Who's praying for you? Um, who, who who are you talking about? About scripture, quiet times, kids. If you have kids, like who who are those people that you can go to, mm-hmm. um, and have those deep connections? And, and I'm talking mainly to the guys right now because I know it's hard to have those relationships as men. Uh, we do not like to go deep. It is uncomfortable, um, but we are called to. So get to a place where you can do that. And there's and LBC has tons of great resources, whether it's men's groups. I mean, there's so many different times, like talk to Andy. If you have questions, there's so many different times that, that, you know, you're super busy. There's going to be one that'll, that he'll find that'll, that'll make it work. Mm -hmm. And secondly, are you being that godly friend? Um, And, you know, part of that is, you know, you, you may say, Hey, you've got, you've had a ton of people pouring into your life, but maybe you're not really pouring into anybody else's life or asking how they're doing. Uh, or maybe these are these are attributes when we talk about being an, an, an encourager, someone who is devoted in love to those around them, somebody who who you know is practicing active forgiveness with people in their lives. You know, what are you doing to allow the fruits of the spirit to grow in you? My thought is to people will always disappoint you. And I know we touched on this, but don't be discouraged by that because mm. don't quit. Because we all have had friendships where people disappoint us. I mean, that's just life. That's just being human. But don't use that as an excuse to say, oh, never mind. If you no, are. No thanks on that. Mm-hmm. I'm checking out. If like, you are gonna going to grow in friendship and go deeper and have those, you know, five to ten friendships that, you know, the, the circle diagram was talking about, you are going to get hurt. It's not a, it's not a, mm-hmm. if it's going to happen, it's when it will happen. Cause it's going to happen because anytime you go honestly openness and have that vulnerability, you're going to get hurt. Mm. Um, and you're going to hurt people. Yeah, Absolutely. That's something that I, it's yeah. been a huge takeaway in my life is that all good intentions aside, I still hurt my friends Yeah, and it's an opportunity for me to turn to Christ and to be renewed and then to continue on in friendship. 
Yeah, because when these biblical attributes are practiced and when it's done from a heart of that's humble and a heart that is seeking repentance, a heart that's seeking to be like Christ, all of that pain is what inevitably leads to growth, to our sanctification. And lo and behold, that's exactly the way God designed it. So being a godly friend, seeking godly friendships is an is. I mean, it is it is a foundational aspect of how God chooses to sanctify us and make us more like Him. A, c- a couple of resources that we want to push you towards is uh, two books. One that I know has been a huge blessing to a, a lot of people, and in, in particular my wife, she recommended it more than anything, is a book called The Company We Keep, and that's by Jonathan Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, The Company We Keep. And it's a great short read, so nothing to be intimidated by. It's a very short, easy read that goes a whole lot deeper into into what we've been talking about, about what does a godly biblical friendship look like? How do we cultivate that within ourselves and in our lives? So that's The Company We Keep by Jonathan Holmes. And then also a classic that I know has been, uh, you know, really big and influential in my life personally, uh, but I know has been influential for many other people is a book called Life Together, and it's by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a great dive into Christian community. What does God intend for Christian community to be? What does he intend for it to look like? And how does God use Christian community and godly friendships in order to grow us to become more like him? Well, guys, I, I hope we're a little bit closer friends now. I mean, definitely in that five circle, right? I don't know. I, I think know. we've got 20 more years before Leslie likes <laughs> I'm just sure. hoping that I'm just hoping that Eric finally... I'm in that 500. Okay. I hope that yes. Eric finally bumped me up into his MySpace top five. Well, you know, cool. I think MySpace only had the top eight, so <laughs> we'll have to look. Tom's always number I'm one. I'm never going to crack that. I'm never going to do it. The LBC Podcast is a ministry of Laurel Glen Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. Hey, if you are looking for a church family, or if you need friends, to worship with, we would love for you to join us. You are invited every single Sunday. Our services are every Sunday at 8.30 and 10 a.m. We have Bible studies for everyone, all ages, all stages throughout the week as well. There's lots of opportunities to gather and to develop godly friendships here. Until next time, walk in the grace and truth that only comes through Jesus Christ. Take care.